Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. everyone welcome to 50 shades of green divas you're on with green diva meg green diva max and uh we've got a really interesting show for you and before we even launch into that i am just so excited that i finally got my act together and we started our twitter account so please drop everything not in the mud of course and go check us out on twitter 50 shades of gds Yes, Fifty Shades of GDs, and uh, if you the timestamp is three a.m., you might be competing with someone else twittering at the same time. Yeah, you know, you don't know yeah, what yeah. you're going to find at three a.m. twittering. I don't you know. know, but uh, we're fascinating on Twitter, so hey, yeah, we're going we're going to be fascinating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yes, fascinating is us. Anyway. Fascinating are we? Well, fa- that's, speaking that's of we're... fascinating, you found some like wacky, fascinating facts. Yeah, I, it's called Ecofacts Under the Radar. I just kind of <laughs> made go. that I up. Like that. Basically, why you should not step on the pavement ants. Because not realizing it, the pavement ants are helping the environment. All and, right. and we kind of wonder why. Uh, so there's been a study done, uh, this was in 2014 by uh, North Carolina State University. And it said that, you know. Insects and other arthropods play a significant role in disposing of garbage on the streets of Manhattan. I don't know how North Carolina got into Manhattan for this, but they were doing a study about it. And in quotes, it said, you know, we calculate that the arthropods on medians down the Broadway West Street corridor alone could consume more than 2,100 pounds of discarded junk food. Isn't that like a ton? Uh, yeah, two thousand pounds is a ton, right? And it's the equivalent of sixty thousand hot dogs every year, assuming they take a break in the winter. Yeah, it's, but with climate change, maybe they don't have to take such a break anymore. Uh, it's I like know because it's warmer. getting warmer. Right. So, um, and this is according to Dr. Elsa Youngstadt, who's at the uh, Who knew? NC State and a leading author of this this paper. Well, and and actually, I mean, I'd hate to think that we're you know still littering after all these years, but people mm-hmm. do. Better that they eat outside than in my kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just saying. Sure. She said. She says that this is isn't just a silly fact. Um, this is again Dr. Youngstead, and says that this highlights a very real service that these arthropods provide. They effectively dispose of our trash for us. Well, who hey. who would think? I would you know, know I'd see these ants and I'd go yeah step on them you know don't do that because. The, the researchers put out carefully measured amounts of junk food, potato chips, cookies, and hot dogs at the sites in the street, medians, and city parks. They placed two sets of food at each site. One set was placed in a cage so arthropods could only reach the food. The second set was placed in the open where other animals could also eat it. After 24 hours, they, they collected it to see how much they ate and found out that the ants and the rats are competing to eat human garbage. Wow. And whatever the ant isn't 
available, you know, if they, if they eat stuff, it isn't available for the rats, so the rats stay away. So not only are they getting rid of garbage, they're keeping the rat population slightly down, I guess. Really? So, I know. hey, who knew there's like this whole, isn't there some Netflix series or something or Amazon series about urban animals like rats? I, I can't there, think of the name of it. I'm so there, bad at it. There could be. but the I only, think of these things, but I can't think of the names. I'm know? not sure what, what's out there. I, every time I think but of stepping on pavement ants, I think of, you know, the theme song for the Pink Panther. Dead ants, right? Uh, but we shouldn't. We should leave these ants. Leave these ants alone. You know, well, that, yeah. that's, what, that's what I think. You oh know, they're doing a service, and and they and the pizza rat. Hey, you know, it's gonna have to get a whole new YouTube channel. I think there's like a series in this. Like, if I were an animator, I'd be trying to make these ants into little characters. Absolutely. Well, wasn't there a movie? The like seven, a Pixar the, movie about ants or something? The Seven Ants. No, I don't <laughs> Instead of The Seven Dwarfs. But, but I never realized that that actually, that these ants that. actually play a role in keeping the pollution down by trash, you know. Thank you. So Thank you, little a, tiny creatures yes. that we kind of shy away from. Right, I know. Yeah. So I try to be... Be all, more Buddhist about it. Just little sweep bit, them away. A little, a little more zen. Yeah, a little more zen. Uh, so we have, uh, aside from, our, like, the little ants are cleaning up the streets, uh-huh. we're trying to clean up our financial act, man. Clean money. Get it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Segway. Segway. <laughs> um, Party time. Excellent. Because okay. my husband's name is Wayne. We hear that a lot. Right. Well, no, this is all serious stuff that um, we really have to take a look at. There, there's so much money, and what are we doing with it? Well, there is. And we just interviewed Joel Solomon, who's written a book about clean money. And we talk about the difference between clean money and dark money. What is clean money? And how uh, our, not only our investments, if we have investments, but how we can be more conscious about what we're spending our money on and where that money is going, the supply chain. You know, how is it affecting the people who are actually producing it? We talk about that with Fair Trade, but he's written a, a book about this, which goes into some deeper levels. Right, and talks about the clean money revolution and, and what we can do and what's being done, you know, that we might not realize to invest in these companies that are cleaner. And Gracie says yes as she chews her little bone there. Like, right. <laughs> I hear this crunching. I'm like, right. do we Just have ants? Don't have eat ants? the pavement ants, right. <laughs> Gracie, Gracie, please stay away from the, 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 those, uh, those ants. Don't eat the ants. That's the, like the new the new theme. Don't right. kill the ants. Don't kill the ants. That'll oh, be there's thing. a song. You can write that song. And we have a whole album now of songs that we're going to sing together one of these days. I'll have to do an ant song. There's the Mercury Retrograde song. Right. I have Mercury Retrograde. Mm-hmm. I have... Uh, Millions of voices, which yeah. I'm trying to and they're beautiful. get out there they're beautiful. because I think we need millions of voices to, to get things right, which is part of the lyric. And I think we're getting more and more to that level that people have to really get off their butts. And yeah. they're starting. So start by sitting down and enjoying the rest of this podcast because we've got Joel Solomon for you with some great information about clean money. Yeah, whatever you do. Tune yeah. in and share it. Share it. Share it with a friend, a relative, <laughs> uh, an aunt, <laughs> anything. But no, just ha ha, A-N-T. <laughs> an, an aunt. No, A-U-N-T. <laughs> oh, my God. An auntie. So off the trail. All right, listen up, folks. Enjoy. 
Uh, this is James Cromwell, and you've been fortunate enough to be listening to Fifty Shades of Green Divas, a wonderful program you should support. Thank you. Do you suffer from allergies and chemical sensitivity? Then it's time to incorporate the EnviroClean system. Utilizing patented technology, the EnviroClean system safely and effectively neutralizes toxins without leaving behind harmful VOCs. From the solid and upholstered surfaces that surround us, to the clothes we wear, to the very air we breathe, EnviroCleanse provides personal environment protection for everyone. Use code GREENDIVAS to get 20% off site-wide at EnviroKLENZ.com. Yeah, it's Fifty Shades of Green Divas with uh, a guest who is really remarkable individual, uh, Joel Solomon. He's chairman of Renewal Funds, which invests in companies which are catalysts for social and environmental change. He is the author of the book, The Clean Money Revolution, Reinventing Power, Purpose, and Capitalism. Um, He's done uh, talks on on TEDx, TED Talks. Uh, He's very familiar with things of the ocean. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So welcome to the show. And how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm super excited to uh, see what you guys are going to ask me and to be on this show that I've heard such good things about. Tell us what clean money is. What does that mean? Clean money is a direction. I don't know if there's an end game to it, but it is a point of view and a direction. We all are involved in money in one way or another. And we live in an economic system that has separated us from understanding and even the knowledge about what our money is is actually doing in the world. And we are affecting and connected to people and places that our money is either coming from or is touching in one way or another. And because we are not aware of that information, what we don't know a lot of the times is that the effect on people and places that happens to create the products we're purchasing or that supports the companies that we may be invested in can often be doing some very damaging and unfortunate things. And it's really on our behalf. So the idea of clean money is more and more of us need and I think want to pay attention to what our money is doing in our name and on our behalf and similarly with products that we're going to use, mm. food that we're going to share with our families. And uh, we want our impact on the world to be as positive as possible. Uh, so clean money is a way of describing uh, what I hope will become more and more prominent, that we all attempt to ask questions and know where our money is and what it's doing. Absolutely something that we all need to really learn more about. I'm just curious. I'm going to backpedal a little. What brought you? to the realization that there needs to be a moral compass in investing and knowing what you're investing in? One of the benefits of being in my 60s is that I grew up in the 60s. Me too. Yay. (laughs) And as you know, it was a time of lots of questions. And uh, uh, maybe, maybe the information age was beginning to broaden and maybe 
there was a certain kind of consciousness that was happening that uh, maybe because of the war and uh, civil rights era and uh, numbers of things were coming to the forefront that were, I guess, waking up a generation to, to look at how did we get here and why are we here and how can we make it the best that it can be. So I was affected by all of that. I was, uh, I grew up in a, a small city in Tennessee, Chattanooga, Tennessee, and uh, the, we were just just moving from the Jim Crow era uh, on on civil rights, mm-hmm. and uh, things were still a little tense, and the Vietnam War was going on, and so I started questioning a lot of things. Mm-hmm. My family, um, most in, in uh, my my father was the child of, of an immigrant and worked very hard to try to look after the family and build something that uh, he could feel like he was providing properly for um, our needs. And as happens with many people that that do that, or there are many stories like this, uh, the business grew more and he became more prosperous. And so I also had to face the questions about money and what, uh, if my family had money and if I had access to those kinds of things, what was the right thing for me to do with my career and what was going to be the meaning and purpose of my life. And so... That combined with uh, a bit later a uh, realization of being a a carrier of a genetic kidney disease, which is fatal uh, over time, those things caused me to to look at at the issues and uh, try to think about how could I be involved with the legacy that I'd been given and do it in a way that really met my values. And so that's the... That's the early story. I mean, we talk a lot. I love that story, by the way, and it does make sense to me. We talk a lot about here about voting with your dollars and how consumers can empower themselves in so many ways by choosing where we put our money, whether it's an investment or buying groceries, right? So, I mean, part of what you're talking about also, other than investing, is understanding which manufacturers have some transparency so we know that something may not be – that something isn't made perhaps by uh, slave children in China or Cambodia or whatever, that that there's a clean chain of – that makes sense. Supply chain. Thank you. I know. I it's like, like there's a chain sort of, in there somewhere. Sort of like Patagonia comes to mind with you know as a as a as an example. I'm I, I'm at least of what I've read about them is. So can you uh, give us any information on what we need to look? Used to be the commercial look for the union label when you were buying a coat a coat dress or blouse because you knew someone in the U S was was working on it. Now you know nothing really. Fortunately, there are uh, there is a growing body of of analysis and labeling and research that is happening. And first of all, I think most people now are aware with food that we have things like organic certification. We have fair trade uh, certification that has right. to do with how are you treating uh, farmers and growers in in, uh, in other continents uh, and how are you paying them and are you paying fair, fairly and that kind of thing. 
And then when it, and in food, it goes to: Are you GMO or not? Uh, are you all natural? Are you? And it, you know, it goes. It goes. Uh, are you gluten free? You know, there there are now many labelings, and we have a lot more choice in food. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're having to cover vast topics, uh, and the, the the world is gray. You know, there are lots of gray areas. It's it's not simple, but. We we are just just like I said about the term clean money. It's a it's a destination, and uh, trying to trying to, to to do better. So there are uh, in the clothing industry. Since you mentioned Patagonia, Patagonia is one of the obvious leaders, and and its founder and owner is deeply committed to the lowest impact he can have on the environment and creating clothing and gear that enables people to uh, have their own experiences of of nature and uh, this this incredible planet that we live on and then i have uh, friends with a, a business um, called indigenous that does work in a fair trade capacity as well with uh, uh, weavers in south america to make sweaters and and other garments and and such and they've been developing a hang tag label that will start to move the apparel industry if if it works. Oh, I'm sorry for those sirens. That's <laughs> okay. That that's right. So these hang tags will start to give customers if they're picked up by more companies and these kinds of things tend to be coming on strong these days. So that it helps you understand that your clothing was came from some something you can be it's sweatshop free. It's uh and you know who's doing it. And and so this is happening in other industries. Green buildings would be yeah. uh, an obvious one in the built I, environment. You I can interview- have your building certified. And rather than list all of the different ways that's happening, I'll say the computer era and technology uh-huh. yeah. has enabled us to do a lot of our own research. We have the ability at our fingertips often to look up companies. There are people who who do do ratings on companies around from sweatshop labor to what's the diversity makeup of their board do they have environmental fines do they do they do bribes in other countries mm-hmm. and right. things like that so so there's becoming a body of literature effectively or access to information that we're enabled and that is going to accelerate it's really good. I interviewed a woman a couple of years ago who was starting a new labeling process for rugs because internationally, you know, rug making is a, a big industry uh, and it's a big import here. And I think there might be other textiles involved, but they were looking at making sure they were – and it wasn't fair trade. I can't think of the label and they're trying to get it off the ground. But there are. Yeah. There's so many different things happening. You really – I mean, it's a little cumbersome, some t- cumbersome sometimes to say like, okay, uh, I want to buy a computer. I got to go look and do all these rating things. But um, more and more sites are doing the homework for us, and folks that's like right. you with your book and your, your investment company that's uh, that's looking after all the the good things. Because there's there's like I know there's there's clean money, and then there's Dark money. I yeah, mean, what's, what's that? What's, what's the dark money versus the light money? I mean, my example of dark money is that guy who wanted to charge a hundred dollars for the cancer jug for each pill or something. Um, and, and people think, you know, and I think, I mean, that that's evil it's and like it's mor- greedy, morally wrong, and it's yeah. immoral. And uh, I know, you know, 
you know, cons- you had something that I, that I heard in your TED, TED talk, you know, consider how much is enough. I mean, so how do you, you know, break down the dark from the light or get to the light? Well, what defines dark money? Right. What's dark money? Well, there's actually a book by a woman named Jane Mayer called Dark Money that mapped a lot of the political uh, money that um, certain large interests and characters uh, uh, invested, uh, starting with really in the late 60s. Uh, and in fact, maybe in the mid-60s, there was a concern in the Lyndon Johnson-Barry Goldwater race when Barry Goldwater lost so badly. And conservatives and corporate interests were stimulated to look at that and figure out how they might invest systematically over some decades to uh, change the face of politics and governance in the United States and beyond. Mm-hmm. And wow. so Jane Mayer has, has mapped a lot of that history. I mention it and talk about it in my book because I was struck by the same thing. Mm-hmm. Lewis Powell was a corporate lawyer who later became Supreme Court Justice, and he wrote a, 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 a well-known memo among the circles paying attention to this uh, that mapped out the problem and possible solutions to it, and that led a number of large foundations that were uh, – very conservative to get together and start to do funding together and invest in emerging young leaders and uh, influencing university campuses, uh, building talk radio shows mm-hmm. that, wow. that expressed their points of view. So would, and, would, would folks like the Koch yeah. brothers be involved with the, the Koch brothers, the right. Coors family? Yeah. Yeah. A number of other foundations um, and and large families, and I don't need to really make this bridge for people, but I would say that the last uh, federal elections in the mm-hmm. U.S. have revealed the success of that strategy. Right, and, and does the uh, and they thought this happened overnight? You know, it didn't. It happened thirty, forty years ago, as you said, Goldwater. It was, it was. It was then that they laid the foundation, as you just explained, and everyone thinks it just it just occurred, but it didn't. Well, so, and Citizens United, of course, really blew everything open in a lot of ways for this. That's right, and to get to Citizens United, you had to affect the federal court systems and ultimately the Supreme Court, and you had to uh, to win uh, and change certain legislation and voting uh, rights. Okay. And, numbers and numbers of things to change the circumstance. um, My mind is like exploding because we are on the verge of literally destroying the credibility of our justice, our judicial system in theory, right? mm -hmm. I mean somebody's going to have control perhaps of choosing a couple of Supreme Court justices. Right now with gerrymandering being what it is and, and the Senate and the House being what they are, it's like there's no checks and balances anymore. They can do what they want to do. I mean, they being it's like terrifying. It, it is terrifying to see what what's what's transpiring here in the states. I don't know as as a Canadian, you must be looking at us. <laughs> what the what is going on with you, dudes? You have lost your mind. Well, he's originally a Tennessean. Uh, yeah, that's right. Go. Oh. You, you. I'm actually about half my life in both countries, and I maintain. Uh, 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 quite a few involvements in Nashville, Tennessee, Mm -hmm. and uh, my work is on both sides of the border. So, and I I have also 
that same family I grew up with was always believed in civic engagement and the importance of that kind of citizenship to to understand uh, how the system worked and do your best to participate. And so I have also had a lifetime of interest in, in politics, and uh, that's ranged from working in for the Al Gore Sr., Al Gore Jr., Jimmy Carter from my wow. Tennessee times, and then uh, having a very close friend in Vancouver uh, who was an entrepreneur that built a company around organic smoothies and uh-huh. uh, and and juices. And he's been the three-term mayor here in Vancouver, having put together a new p- kind of modern political party with a strong social, environmental, and creative economy um, agenda. And uh, this is just, to me, part of part of what you do as a good citizen. Mm-hmm. But um, but I, I do pay close attention to politics because I think it matters. I think the public sector matters. I think government is important. We need an arbiter for the commons, mm-hmm. leaving everything to individuals and large interests to figure out is not a good outcome. And the anti-tax government is wasteful. We should cut social services and the social safety net has been part of that same that same strategy that right, we've been right. talking about. Right. I think people have to get your book and get on board. Uh, tell us again what your book is and how people can find out more about you and your book. The Clean Money Revolution has been out uh, officially for maybe a couple of weeks now, oh. and it's it's on those uh, well-known online uh, booksellers. <laughs> okay. But also, uh, if, if you're interest, if you're an independent book buyer, there's you can you can uh, I think it's called Indie List. Okay. Um, you can look at to find that out, and I believe all bookstores these days, if you go in and ask, they will find it for you or they'll order it for you. And so, it books this book, like others, is is now widely available if you want to find it. And uh, I'm. I guess that's the question you asked me. So yeah, I'm going to get my hands on that book. Yeah, I want to take a look at it. There's lots of reviews getting done, and uh, I have a website called joelsolomon.org. And if you search for clean money or clean money revolution, it's probably going to lead you there. The clean money revolution and and things that also in the book, you know, about how. You know, this forty, fifty trillion that changes hands in the next three decades in North America alone, and what what opportunities that creates. That's in the book, and you talk about love, um, what what love and connection you know to your book is uh, the connection between love and money. I'm a big fan of quantum entanglement, so I wonder how the love, <laughs> and, the, the love and the money and the quantum entanglement all all come come oh, through. I love it. This so is... we'll we'll have to have you back to talk about love and money. I really wanted to oh, get yeah. into that, yeah. but uh, so. We will uh, have you back, and we will talk about those other things. In the meantime, we want people to get your book. We'll put all that information about the Clean Money Revolution online. And uh, thank you so much for for joining us today. We might still have a chance to save civilization if all of us ask questions and insist on better uses of our money and better products. Thanks, Joel. Take care. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. 
Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and The Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com. 